Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Allison Teal. Before we get to Allison, I have a few announcements to make. First, go to our website at TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can see some stories that I've written, some stories that the guests have written. You can see links to our social media, which is Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. There are uh, links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes, both places you can subscribe for free. And I ask, as always, if you're there, please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show because it boosts our presence. And that's always a cool thing to do. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, I'm blasting through this because we have a lot to get to with Allison Teal. Allison is someone I found through my friend Mary McNeil. And wow, what a guest with a lot of travel tales. Allison's been called the female Indiana Jones. Allison's got a cool story of growing up in the big island of Hawaii and all around the world with her parents who were nature photographers and adventurers and yoga instructors. And she lived in a very rural setting as the only uh, howly white girl in Hawaii. And then she's, she'll tell you all that story, but she's a surfer. She's an activist. And she really got noticed by being on the show Naked and Afraid on Discovery Channel, and I had never seen the show. When we did this interview, I hadn't seen the show at that point. But about a week later, I got Hulu for my house, and I was flipping through some offerings there, and then I noticed that they have Naked and Afraid on there, and I went, wait a minute, Allison's episode is probably on there, and sure enough, it was, and I watched the episode, and boy, that is nothing that I wanted to do, living on a, on a deserted island with no water, naked with some stranger, and she came off uh, really good on the show. The guy on it, not so much. (laughs) But I think the producers must have felt the same way and the people at Discovery because they started offering her more work after that. So she did a number of shows for Discovery, and now she's working on something very personal to her own beliefs, which is uh, the world is full of plastic, and we got to do something about it because it's really killing our planet. So she's very active in uh, getting rid of plastic, both on land and sea, and she's really out there making a difference. So her website is Allison's Adventures. You could follow her on Instagram, of course, and we'll have links to all her social media and sites at TravelTalesPodcast.com. But just think Allison's Adventures with one L. I'm glad I got a chance to meet her. I enjoyed my time with her, and I think you will too. So please enjoy my conversation with Allison Teal. I figure you must be from Hawaii because as soon as you called on the phone, aloha. <laughs> aloha. Aloha. <laughs> Surf's what, up. Yeah. So, Allison Teal, what part of Hawaii are you from? The big, best island? No, the big island. The, the big, big island. Yeah. Okay. That's that's one island I've never been to. I've been to Maui. I've been to Oahu, of course. And uh, 
Where's the Oh, I went to Kauai. Kauai. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been to the Big Island. First of all, how is uh, your neighborhood in the lava thing? I know. We just, this year has been, it's been happening. Yeah, it's between quite volcanoes a year. Volcanoes and hurricanes and floods and locusts and oh my gosh. <laughs> killer frogs. No, no kidding. I feel like what's next? Um, no, we're lucky. We're on the other side of the island, but a lot of people had to come take refuge with us. And it was, in, in, it was just a crazy... It's just wild, you know? It's like the earth is over there being born and people happen to be living there and, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a hurricane where you can prepare. It's all of a sudden just boom. So for those of us who've been watching it on the news here, are they blowing it out of proportion or do we have a... Well, it's over now. I mean, I shouldn't say it's over. Right. It's always but going. Right now, it's not flowing, and it's the air is beautiful. And every, I mean, God, if there's any time to go to Hawaii, it's right now. <laughs> the tickets are like so cheap, and it's just it's stellar. It's stunning. But um, when it was happening, you know, I mean, it's only one percent of the island, so definitely the news makes it look catastrophic. But for the people who lived in that community in that area, it was a hundred percent catastrophic. And it's just you know, you've got these hundreds and hundreds of foot spewing molten lava. Um, just going up in the air. I actually paddled out to it a couple of years ago. I'm not associated with this. This was pretty devastating. People were dying and I don't go tamper with those kind of things. You know, that's like, that's, that's, that's bad juju when Pele, the fire goddess goes, she goes. Um, but being able to paddle out to the lava with this, you know, Hawaiian family, we did all these blessings and prayers and, and, um, ritual to be able to go do it and to like sit there and like I said, watch the earth being born and be, within molten lava like in the ocean on my surfboard just a couple feet away so you went paddled out to where that where it drips into the ocean I, that part yeah where it was erupting and flowing into the ocean and no but i don't know i don't know if anybody had ever done i think maybe uh you know the news was saying the first woman to ever surf the molten lava i'm like okay hey guys i don't know about that but it was a um it was a pretty first white woman yeah right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah the holly girl that's crazy no it was just a, it was a special experience um to be out there we it was a discovery channel um episode that came out and it's on i think it's on my website or on allison's adventures i'm sure if you google allison with lava something will pop up but they're pretty stellar photos um by Perrin james and and the hawaiians that were out there with us i thought the water got too hot for like surfboards and things like that my board melted did it? No. I'm no, it was just like, but uh, I heard that about boats if you get too close or something. That it, um, yeah, it got pretty hot. And about an hour after we left, the whole shelf collapsed. And if I would have been paddling there, I'd be dead right now. So it wow. was definitely. When did you do this? Uh, like two years. God, I'd have to check my adventure. There, my adventure <laughs> fact book. Um, there's been so many adventures since then, but it was an incredible opportunity that I'd always wanted to have. And you just can't go do those things. It was like an eight hour boat ride through surging seas. I was puking the whole time. Wow. <laughs> like it was pretty gnarly, but to be able to be there and just watch and these double rainbows came out and that's how the Hawaiians believe the gods come to earth from my understanding. So it was just like, whoa, here I am. And here's the earth. And Kind of the message I got, which is so cheesy, but I'll share, is girl power. Because Pele, you know, is this goddess of, of, of fire and she kind of dominates and, and, and um, she's feared and revered, basically, in our island system. And it's like Mars, you know, when you go there, it's all just black lava for anyone who's been to the big island. There's so many ecosystems, but a lot of it's lava. And she was kind of just talking to me in a sense, you know, you could see her face come to glow in the lava, which the Hawaiians were tripping out. They're like, that's very rare that that happens. And it's a blessing. Um, If you look on my footage on my clip on YouTube, uh, it went pretty crazy viral that there's this woman's face in the lava. And she kind of was just saying to me, like, go girl, you know, we can all do this. We can all adventure and come together as women and 
and get out there and kind of get off the couch and live our dreams and go for it. And it's like she had my back in a sense, which was really cool. So but tell, tell the people what Allison Adventures is and say uh, your background and where they might have seen you before. Yeah. You did TV stuff. Uh, right? Yeah, you might have seen me naked. Yeah, well, um, that's a different website. Yeah, that, no, Naked and Afraid actually kind of put me on the map. I was one of the first. You were on to Naked and Afraid. I, oh gosh, so good. You didn't even know this. Oh, I awesome. didn't know this. That's what most people. Were I do my homework right away. I do my homework. Yeah, yeah. Give, give, I don't give, know give, where give. I found you. <laughs> I don't know what you do, but I'm learning with the audience. That's what I'm learning here. So you were on that. You were. Yeah, when, we when the did you do first that? Um, to go? There oh was my like gosh. three of us that went out in the beginning. Um, it was pretty gnarly, but so this is before your website or after? No, so it's interesting. I was actually kind of that Tarzan child, um, born into a life of adventure. My parents were photographers for companies like National Geographic and Patagonia. Wow, and they were legendary explorers. Uh, total crazy. I call them my wild parental units. I feel like I have kids because I'm still like, you know, where are you guys? What time is it? What country are you How in? How cool! They're pretty. Yeah, brothers and sisters. Hey. Not that I know of. Um, oh. Maybe some monkeys out there. Different. So they dragged you around the world. They dragged me around the world. And How cool. I lived out of a backpack my entire life. I was homeschooled and got a scholarship later on. You know, my one dream was to go to school, which is so funny because here I am like most kids dream riding camels across well, right. the But it desert. could be lonely though. It was very lonely and it was very like, you know, how many granola bars can you eat until you're like, I just want my little box lunch right. and my school so bus. So you and your hippie parents are going all around the world. It was pretty wild. They took me up Everest when I was like seven. Wow. To um, uh, base camp? Just to base camp, yeah. yeah we didn't I mean, have that's the... That's insane. That be I don't gnarly. think that's legal to bring a child up and... Uh, yeah, I don't think you can get permits. To her death and for, the frozen yeah. death up in a... <laughs> to that young. <laughs> I mean, as far as I know at the time, I was maybe the youngest. How old uh, were you? Howley girl to go up there. I was seven when we went to base camp. We went a couple times. Wow. Um, we were actually up there during the Everest film when all those people, well, the, 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 the story they made thing? the film about. Yeah, when everybody was dying. Yeah, that was like 96. Or yep, we were stuck in that storm and we were helping people out. And oh my it was gosh. a crazy experience. Um, Did your parents' pictures yeah. get used from that? Yeah, yeah. We have photos. Um, they're also, uh, you can find them on my, my Allison's Adventures on my Instagram or on my website. Um pretty special you know because i have it documented because my dad was a photographer i wish we had video back then <laughs> that would have been stunning and stellar um but basically you know i dreamed of this other life and i actually got a scholarship to go to usc film school kind of out of homeschooling which talk about culture shock here That's, i am at like wow. number one sorority school in the world yeah, with, like steven spielberg teaching you my fit classes. right in to uh legally blonde yeah exactly i was like the <laughs> Lindsay lohan of mean girls You're i didn't like, know who is where this I was. girl this yeah. weirdo yeah who is this um wearing your first pair of shoes totally I'm like like a little yak hide blanket you know like what am i what am i doing um what, but did, I, I i assimilated and you went did you go did you graduate from there Yes, I did actually. I kind of That's blew my own school. mind. No, like summa cum laude, like full on top honors. But you know, I think that what was interesting for me and what I discovered and kind of my advice to everyone is like stories are everything. And if you focus on your own stories and your own what you know, like I didn't go in there and try to be the blockbuster, boom, bang, boom, film, you know, right. let's make a depressing film about all of us committing suicide. Playing you know? chess with God. Yeah, it was just, it was, <laughs> it was a dark, you know, film student. It's, it's, um, I mean, not that people don't have those real stories and those real things that they want to talk about and they want to make films about. And I don't mean to dis diss that in any sense, but I think I brought this new sense of like fun and excitement. And, um, you know, I always dreamed of having a film series that was like if Disney and Discovery had a baby, that was like my whole thing. Cause I would watch Disney movies between, adventures growing up that's mm -hmm. all i saw on the airplanes and then 
I knew Aladdin was real and I knew, you know, I'd seen mermaids or whatever it was that was real to me growing up. Um, So when I graduated SC, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make a film series where I can kind of educate through entertainment um, about what's out there, like the crazy cultural phenomenon, environmental phenomenon, the... um, the magic and the mystery and the intrigue of all these cultures that I grew up in. And so I also fell in love with surfing. So I took a, took my pink surfboard and hopped on my camel and set off across the world. And that became my brand of just Alison Teal, this wild surfer girl diving into all these cultures and uh, bringing back these very Indiana Jones type stories. And then recently Indiana uh, Time Magazine honored me with the title of the female Indiana Jones. And so things just started kind of... I guess snowballing or coconut balling or whatever you'd you'd call it. But did your website start while you were in school or out of school right um, after? Yeah, I think right after and that's how Discovery found me is that I didn't set out to like make some crazy series and I'm going to get an Instagram and a Facebook and start a business. It was more just like I I was like, "Oh, here's this thing called Facebook. I want to share this picture I just got of this 140-year-old sadhu, you know, showing me the holy well of life high in the Indian mountains and I'd never been able to share this before. Like what a cool thing. It's free. I can just post it." And then suddenly it had kind of had this like younger generation eat pray love phenomenon where people would either start to come for like you know, travel tips or um the Indiana Jones the fascination behind like the mysteries we were uncovering or um, kind of how to live a dream life too. Cause I think that's such a big thing right now is like, how do you not, some people love a conventional like nine to five and that's fine. Like that's not to be dissed at all, but some feel that there's more out there. Well, when did um, discovery channel come on board and what did you, what was the name of your show for them? <laughs> that more was than the, one show did you do? Well, it's funny. I was actually sitting on an Island in the middle of Fiji in the, way middle of nowhere, Fiji. And it was called, well, I called it the Lost Island of the Firewalkers because it was magical. And they could walk on fire. They had all these magical powers. I'm interviewing the chief about how they attained their magic and my cell phone's sitting there. It's turned off and it has no SIM card. Now, I don't, I'm not too heebie-jeebie. Like, I grew up with hippie parents, but I'm pretty realistic. Um, you know, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I'm, like, pretty straight-edged. And so when this happened, it kind of blew my mind. My phone rang. And I'm like, God, hello. And it was the producers from Discovery Channel. And they're like, you know, we have this new show called Naked and Afraid. We, we would want you to be on it. Um, it was a pilot at that point, you know, a, a beginning. And I said, hell no, I'm not going naked on TV. You got to be out of your mind. So they had seen your videos online. Yeah, they had checked out my Allison's Adventures. Um, I just did it all on my own. I just went and filmed and edited and produced and it's funny, people call me sometimes like, can I speak with Allison's, you know, editor? I'm like, it's me, <laughs> producer me. Um, no, so if you really have a dream or a passion, I think you just kind of really got to go do it. I had like two coconuts and no knowledge and just, or knowledge, but you know, it was just um, me putting the pieces together. So what convinced you to be naked on this? <laughs> well, about a year, I, I said no for about a year. And uh, they... You know, it's kind of a fascinating concept. Like, what if you had a guy and a girl, like maybe the last people on earth in this crazy location with nothing? What would happen? What would you do? And once we started looking at it in that angle rather than like, you know, 
It's like Survivor turned up a notch. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it wasn't about being naked. It was about like, this is real. This is primitive. This is survival. So I got to work with them on it and be like, hey, we're going to need an item. We're going to need this, you know, and start to kind of like, they actually took my advice. And once we started working with it and I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool team. Um, And I like challenges. Uh, So we took on, I took on the challenge and it was pretty insane. Where was it shot? In the Maldives. Okay. For how how many weeks? About a month, almost a month, 22 days. Um, I did not watch it, but did you, is there a winner? Is, uh, you know, that's the thing is it's, it's not, it's supposed to be like you two working together to get through this challenge. It's like a personal challenge. Like they don't pay you. You don't win a million dollars. Um, in hindsight, I'm like, what the heck? They didn't pay you? <laughs> it's not, that's not the, that wasn't the concept of the show at that point. Now that it's like the hugest phenomenon. We got to give you something for your time. You know, it's not a, it's, that's not the point of it. It was, I know, I know, but you know, as your agent, I have a yes, problem with I know this. you have a, I mean, it's the bit like a stipend to be able to be there and to sure. to they fly you there and the whole, of course the whole thing. Um, you know, I've never done anything in life for money. I realize that we do need to survive, and and I don't I don't think money's a bad thing. But what I've realized is the best things have come when I don't do it for that. I mean, we if you want a, a little jewel of 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 advice that people always kind of love to take away from my family and my upbringing. My parents always taught me to live life on a trust fund. And when I say that, people give me like a funny look like, what, you have a trust fund? And I'm like, no, no, I trust the funds will be there. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like my play on words is, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I did. I set off and did this crazy challenge and it definitely changed my life. And the biggest part for me, other than like starving and going cannibalistic on day 16 and actually mapping out a plan to eat our cameraman. Um, I, I hope you didn't No, I apologize to him afterward. I'm like, you were so close to just being speared by, you know, a branch that I had sharpened over days. Poor guy. Um, plastic pollution was washing up ashore every day. And I never, I mean, of course I grew up in a fishing village in Hawaii. I've seen plastic, you know, starting to plague our beaches around the world in these cultures, these remote regions that I grew up in, but never, I've never sat on an island naked for a month and just observed. It was crazy. Like plastic from all over the world with labels from China and Russia and... Were they mostly uh, bottles or was it... Plastic. Like like utensils and and bags? Flip-flop. Bags, yeah. bottle, mostly bottles because they float better and they don't break. Right. They didn't break down as easily. But um, it's pretty gnarly because yeah, it's horrifying. It threw me into a whole world of plastic pollution. Um, so when I'd get back, like on the talk shows, the Ellens and the Steve Harveys and all that, and they're like, "So did you guys sleep together?" I'm like, "Have you heard about this issue of plastic pollution?" <laughs> and uh, boring commercial. Bo- yeah, exactly. Commercial. Here's a commercial for some plastic <laughs> item. <laughs> So then I got this idea. I was like, well, what if I wore plastic and I was naked? And so I had this whole concept that I was going to go back and make a film. And I did. And that film sparked this whole kind of global awareness of Trash Island, which is in the Maldives. And now it's getting cleaned up because of my pictures and my film. And um, there's, I was able to help ban the plastic bag in California and ban toxic sunscreens like a month ago in Hawaii. And so I kind of, I never set out to be an activist or of the sorts. I just, suddenly the earth became so important to me because like when it keeps you alive during survival, you got to get back. And yeah. So did the, uh, did Discovery offer you a show after that? 
the naked and afraid yeah. XL. Um, they, I mean, they, you had some name recognition after this. So yeah. Oh man, I got descended upon um, by production companies for every kind of you know. It's gonna be you and a Kardashian and a midget, and you're gonna go into the desert. Oh, and, um, what a business! It was a wild. It's a wild world, uh, and. You know, they have you under contract for a while. So a few things that I definitely... I have heard about... My agent has told me about the Discovery contracts. Mm, and, it was uh, intense. They are... Um, can be draconian. Loved the lawyer, though, that, that we worked with there. And it was a really great team. And so, you know, we worked together and I... Um, Basically, you can't do anything... With I anybody think it was else, like two or three years. Yeah, yeah they got was, you locked in. It was in. pretty intense. Um, Any TV you do has got to be through them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a. I mean, I got but, called in by all the biggies, and it was it was exciting, you know, being this yeah. girl from Hawaii and being humbled to have all this like whoa. But know. for someone like you, Discovery is probably up your alley anyway. I mean, it's not like you know. Yeah. Home Shopping Network had you locked down. You know, that's different. Well, there is an interesting thing going on in the media right now, I think, with women. Um, how do I say it? Uh, if you look at the shows on air, there are no female hosts, unless it's like the Oprah or the Ellens. There's no adventure uh, female people out there. Um, and I'm hoping this will start to change in the media soon. Um, but there's also this beauty of the new platforms like instagram and facebook and youtube and um I, I don't know if it's the end all but it does give you your own voice and so in a sense it's like that's kind of what i've been chasing around the world is like hey i can just post this and share this right away what's well, i mean i talked to some other um uh, people who are pitching shows as a travel hosts and things like that which is what you know we all want to be the next uh, anthony bourdain or whatever oh, it is bless his soul, yeah. and um but a lot of people like yourself and some other people that I've talked to, uh, you're doing it already. You really kind of, <laughs> you know, you, in a way, you know, you made your show, you make your content, you put it out there, people will pay you for it or sponsor Hopefully. things. Well, I mean, you have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you have some sponsors and things like that, don't you? Yeah. You know, I think... So in a way, you're, you're kind of making it. And having worked in TV for... 20 plus yeah, years it's your, rare it's rare when experience. you get to do exactly what you want i it's, was wondering it's that, a, yeah. very unique and you're doing it so hmm. that's good uh, and you could you could work in this for you know 20 30 years and never get to do the exact show you want i mean you gotta kind of make it yourself which is what you're doing already so you've kind of eliminated them the middleman yeah that's what that's what i always laugh about eliminate the middleman you know i think my, I guess, since podcasts, people tend to love to listen also for advice and not just me yak the whole time. But I think my two cents on that in terms of, you know, making it a broader uh, advice packet for people is a always just go do it no matter what you want to do in life. If you want to bake, start freaking baking. If you want to photograph like my dad was a hooligan. I mean, he was just a crazy adventurer. You know, he was a adventure ski model and he'd go do nuts stuff. And he was like, OK, how do I support a family and have the lifestyle that I want. And he picked up a camera one day and literally just started shooting. I mean, I get goosebumps and his first like, you know, 50 rolls of film were the worst things you've ever seen back on film. You know? and, <laughs> oh, and then film. he, he I kept remember just film. resubmitting and resubmitting and redoing. And so I think that A, just go do it. And B, it's a lot of work. Like you cannot be scared to put in, I mean, I'm sure you know, like even a podcast 
it people oh i'm gonna start a podcast huh like it's a lot of work you're editing and you're putting it up there and so i think that there's this facade that if somebody looks at my instagram or whatever it is and here i am in a country in a bikini or who are here i am solving a mystery with like i was just in um Jordan with Celine Cousteau, the, you know, the Cousteau family um, doing humanitarian and environmental work. And it can look so amazing, but what you don't see, it's, it's 110 degrees. We've got a whole camera crew. We've run out of batteries. You know, the camel pooped on us or the equipment. Like you don't see all the, what goes behind the scenes and that maybe I travel for two weeks and then I edit for six months. And that's the reality um, that I'm having to, you know, bite off too. But I think health is really important. And if you lose your kind of health humor or or wealth, you know, any of that, you're, 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 you're up, up, up a creek without a paddle. Right. Well, let's, uh, before we can drop the naked and afraid thing after I got to know the lowest moment, give me your lowest moment on there and the worst thing you ate. Oh gosh. Well, the, the first <laughs> thing I ate comes to mind right away cause I threw it up. Um, so they have these like maggots on steroids uh, that live in the bottom of rotten coconut trees they're like supposedly they always say like oh this is a delicacy in this country or that country and i'm right. like i don't know if they oh they taste just like butter um they look like massive maggots like huge like the size of my th- a thumb right. and we were so hungry so hungry that we actually dug out this rotten coconut tree tried to roast them on the fire and they're like squirting and screaming and i put it in my mouth and it just tasted like rotten wood and it was wiggling and i i was so determined to swallow it and get some protein and i just puked the whole oh. thing up it was so bad um but i uh the lowest moment was I mean, God, people love graphic stuff, right? I, I had you my You don't period. have to get that graphic. Well, I, I mean, I did. It's, you know, as a woman, I think people wonder, like, what I had my period for 13 days. What? Well, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I, not, I have I'm nothing, assuming that's not normal. Nothing to hide. Well, I think you're just, I is guess the reason I'm saying this is like, it was very real. Like, there was no hamburgers right. off camera. Um, we really did map out a plan to kill and eat our cameraman. Like you're going crazy. But they didn't let you take like your tampons starving. or something. No, you can't take anything. I couldn't even take my hair ties. Like, and it wasn't because they wanted to torture us. I mean, it was just that was the yeah. the deal of the show. You do it or you don't. And um, I think it was 122 degrees when we got off the boat the first day. 120. Uh, and with the humidity and the um, water, they wouldn't give you water. No, 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 no. You had to find everything coconuts and um you'll have to watch it the partner i got stuck with wasn't the um brightest coconut on the tree and i actually got like an apology on behalf of the u.s marines um Uh for his behavior and it was uh it was gnarly but i learned it was almost like a coming of age even though i wasn't like a kid you know because i just had to survive and and pull through and did you uh, get sick no and you know that's another little tidbit of advice that i think is when you don't have, not that I eat a lot of sugar, but like you literally are eating nothing. And when I came back, um, I got to go get checked up, obviously. And the doctor's like, I've never seen this before. Like your lack of sugar intake and stuff has made you so healthy. And the amount of vitamin D and sun that you've got. Um, you know, it's almost like going on a fast, but I was pretty sick. Like I was, you know, emaciated and 20 pounds less and he lost 40 pounds. I would not oh recommend <laughs> Yeah. The naked I would and afraid, not recommend the being naked stranded and afraid diet cookbook. Yeah. Don't, don't do it for that. <laughs> but, uh, so oh, that sounds so hard, but doesn't your body start to like your body eat shuts itself down, basically. And it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty scary. And I don't think. With our common, like, you know, going to Starbucks and just going to the gym or coming back or eating anything. Like, you open the fridge. What if you didn't even have a refrigerator? Like, it's just, 
um, there's a lot of cultures around the world that are like dying. And after that, it just it opened my eyes to many, many things. And I wanted to help uh, in the world. And so you were only in one episode. That's how it works. I mean, I did many. Oh, I thought it was a whole up. season. No, 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 no. There, there. I know that's the. I'm like that one person that got the one episode that. Wow. Three know, weeks, four crazy. weeks. You were there. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. It's really wild. So. Okay, so you get you get off of that. Um, what other shows do they have you do, and what did what did you do, and what are you working on now? Yeah. Well. And then I, we'll get to your adventures around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I got off of that and I literally just set off with my, you know, own dream to kind of be on the, this Indiana Jones on a quest to preserve the planet and kind of bring cultures and, and people closer together. Um, like I said, I did like paddling up to the lava um, with Discovery and did some some different like tidbits here and there of TV, but mostly was really focused on kind of making a difference in the world and being like this pioneer of uh, of showing what's out there. Like I spent 10, six to 10 years now, let's see, how's, about six years um, paddling through crazy trash places all over the world. Um, and that, you know, ended up going pretty viral in the, in the media. Um, I think, it, I guess it went so viral in the LA media that statistically they proved that the virility of my video led to the banning of the plastic bag, which blew my mind. Wow. Um, yeah. So took a, took on some campaigns like that that I didn't even really know I was taking on. I was just trying to make a difference. So. What, um, in terms of bags and, and plastic trash and, and everything else, which spots did you find were in the worst shape? I mean, I've been to Bali, which yeah, had a Bali's, lot of problems. I grew up in Bali, yeah, a lot. It's uh, I was just there. It's devastating. It's just, you know, from rice patties and ducks to wrappers and bottles. And um, Bali's bad. The Maldives is, is bad. Um, I was just in Tulum, and that was bad. If you, if you go on, actually, um, I think it's my latest blog post, if you want to just be shocked beyond belief, the LA River was bad. I mean, it, and it's nobody's fault. It's, I don't think that's what, what people maybe don't understand or can grasp is that it's everyone. It's not like, oh, those third world cultures are like, oh, that place. It's everywhere. It's coming from everywhere. Yeah, I just went to Malibu and then yeah. we had a small stretch uh, of beach and we pulled out you know, 534 pounds of trash. Whoa, good for you. In, in like three hours. Oh, that's amazing. And it was, it was only a little, it wasn't that much of a stretch. Wow. You know, I mean, we are talking the weight of, I mean, there was like full on glass bottles. There was clothes. There was um, trash. I mean, just a lot of, number one was cigarette butts. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Number two was like straws and lids, like coffee cup lids and things like that. Right. Well, they uh, say by 2050, there'll be more fish, sorry, more plastic than fish in the ocean. Yeah. Um, 70% of our oxygen-ish comes from the ocean. Uh, we're just slowly <laughs> killing, our, killing ourselves, killing ourselves slowly. Um, so that's, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's a pretty planet we live on and the planet will probably be okay, but I don't know about the human race. And again, like... Oh, it'll my, shake yeah. us off eventually. It'll just be like... Blah, blah, blah. We'll get, it was here doing? before we got here. It'll be here after we after got we here. After we got here. You know, the dinosaurs were here longer than we were. Speaking of dinosaurs, yeah, I just got to uncover a 65 million year old Triceratops. That was pretty cool. Where was that? Um, that was out in um, Wyoming. So, you know, I've been doing a lot recently where 
I feel like there's a lot from the past we can learn to preserve the future or to get wisdom from. So for example, like the dinosaur, we're in the fifth extinction right now. So there's been extinctions that have happened over time and we're heading for one right now with um, a lot of species on earth. And so that's pretty, pretty scary to think about that, you know, we could all just go extinct like the dinosaurs did easily. Um, I also just got to go down to Tulum and dive with these Nat Geo explorers, um, who uncover the oldest humans in the Americas and they're deep in these wander water caves and you know, you'll be swimming along and there'll be like a saber tooth cat and like a, you know, woman from 10,000 years ago. And they're deeming that these, these species of human back then died from climate change. And you're just like, but the ice age and all that. Yeah. But it's like, we're creating a man-made climate change. We're helping it along. We're helping it along. And so, you know, whether you believe or not, or, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not out here to preach or to be like, that's just what happened. I'm just observing. And I'm like, you are where you're a host. I've been diving for 25 years or more. And, uh, you know, what I've seen of the reefs around the world, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, it's scary, right? What's yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, the sea yeah. temperature goes up two degrees and it kills these you know, million-year-old reefs. Well, we lost 50% of our reefs in Hawaii since 2011, almost. Um, some of it due to toxic sunscreens. Um, you know, they, So it, it's just like once you start traveling and you see these things, you know, I was doing these mysteries and myths and legends and adventures and then I couldn't ignore what was happening. And so I started to, to be a, a voice, I guess, for the planet and to... To try to make a change and to also show how much, you know, we can go live our our own dreams. Um, recently, I'll tell you a project that I did recently because you guys just have to check it out. It's so, it blew my mind, so I hope it blows yours. Are you ready for this? Are you ready, ready to feel your inner? I'm ready to yeah. be blown ready away. To be blown away. Um, I don't know if we have any Disney fans out there or any Legends, Myths, or Mysteries fans. Um, Beauty and the Beast is actually a true story. Of a, I, of a real life beast. It's a real life. A girl fell in love with a beast. Well, check this out. So I, you know, you know when you have that childhood dream you always want to do, and I'm always telling people like, go after your dreams, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute, I need to do the same. I need to be my own advice. So I literally got a princess dress, set off to France. No, um, I I've been following this story, and there is a boy that was born in the Canary Islands, and he was completely covered in hair. This is great for Halloween coming up, this by the is, way. Yeah. Um, How long ago was this? Oh, God, in the 1500, like 16th century, long, long time ago. And he was covered in hair. He was kind of shunned, you know, by the community. I mean, there's not a lot of scripture on him, so it's hard to know exactly um, what the situation was. But what we do know is that he was shipped to King Henry II in France for his coronation night as a gift. So this werewolf comes in a cage, and King Henry's smart, and he's like, this isn't a werewolf, this is a boy. And so he educated him and he raised him as a man of the court. And when he was old enough, they did an experiment and married him to this beautiful young woman um, in the yellow dress, the whole deal. And they had children. And about four of their seven children came out totally covered in hair. And so I tracked the story from the Canary Islands all the way to this castle in France um, in my very fun, adventuresome way. And uh, on my pink surfboard, going, you know, by the Eiffel Tower and the Seine River, um, meeting up with all kinds of, you know, the master of fairy tales in France. And literally found this painting of the daughter that's hidden in this castle of Beauty and the Beast. And it blew my mind. And it's actually a condition called hypertrichosis. And there's been like 50 cases 
um, a, since then of this this disease. So things like that that I just, you know, maybe that's not out saving the planet environmentally, but my whole thing with that is like we can't judge a beast by its cover because luckily King Henry was smart, but, you know, there's been this whole thing in the world of like, especially in Hollywood, you know, it's about how you look or about, and there's so many different people out there. And if we look beyond physical appearance, we might learn an incredible story. And it just, it really blew my mind. So yeah, I made a film about it. You should check it out. It was, it's like, is this on YouTube? Can we yeah. see it? Oh. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's uh, it's fun for Halloween coming up. And what are the keywords? What do people need to type in? Just Allison, the hair real, covered boy. Yeah, the real story of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's up there. It's short. It's like ten to twelve minutes, but kind of gives you an idea of how I marry Disney and Discovery to bring a fun story for you know the whole family to yeah to enjoy. And that's my dream is just to continue a show where I reveal myths and mysteries and legends and if. A spot opens in TV for that. Hey, maybe we can co-host. You sure. Know? <laughs> I am available. Yeah. Get me off these ships, please. Yeah, right? Oh, or head on to the cruise ships and start investigating. Oh, no. uh, investigating. Nothing to see there. So we, um, you were just in Petra, Jordan, yeah. which I loved. Well, especially. What a cool place. Oh. A cool place. Yeah, Speaking you, of Indiana Jones. I was just going to say, yeah, you, he, get, you get a label that. like Indiana Jones and you better go to Petra. Um yeah, I will say that, you know, I'm making a film about it now. Um, plastic is not just in the ocean. It's plaguing even the new seven wonders of the world, like Petra. And um, that was kind of shocking to me, you know, to know there's no government-led recycling program in Jordan. And, and there's just plastic everywhere. And so I'm, I'm just realizing how much it's not a specific issue to one country. It's such a global crisis and issue right now. Um, you know, even the Pope declared it a uh, declared it a global crisis. Um, well, especially in places where the drinking water is not safe, you so have to drink out of plastic. Yeah. yeah, so that's yeah. Yeah. What do you do? It's how do you how do you see places like this and 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 with the work you're doing? And I ask this of people that do a lot of charity work and have a you know a cause that they're working on. That how do you keep from getting discouraged? Because it is everywhere, and it can beat you down. Because if, and you go, I just can't. It's like a drop in the bucket. So how do you how do you stay positive, and how do you keep going without going? God, this is just too much. I'll tell you how I stay positive. I stay positive because when I go into Petra and I see a plastic bottle and I instinctively just go to start cleaning it up, suddenly a man with dark eyeliner and flowing robes waltzes over on his camel and comes up and says thank you very much you know for helping to protect my country and suddenly we're friends and then he's showing me some secret tomb up high in the mountains and it's just like wow you know it's almost like if you do good for the world and for people it comes around you know if you believe in karma and I think that's what keeps me going is I don't actually see it as devastation when I go into a place I'm like okay there's work to be done solutions to be found let's talk with the locals because the indigenous people are the ones that know what's up you know the the bedouins for example in petra um it's just totally fascinating like the guy that i met he grew up in he was born in a cave and lived his whole life in this ancient city as you know a bedouin man and now he airbnbs his cave it cracks me up so (laughs) tourists can come in and experience you know a bedouin existence and they're flowing with the times um but we need to help protect their 
their livelihood in these places from getting plagued by plastic. And so, you know, I love to do my part in that. I was also just in Indonesia. You know, I think a lot of people say, well, what is the solution? What can you do? Um, and I think there's a couple easy things, obviously, like using a reusable bottle. Um, I have this Mobot water bottle. I should have brought it. It's so cool. It's like a foam roller. They're actually from around here, the Santa Monica. Oh, yeah, I think it, I've seen those. They're really fun. So I'll just carry that around. Or um, I have this like little Zoetica pack um, that has like a reusable straw, a reusable fork, a cup. You know, so you can bring your own items. Um, beach cleanups. I just joined a group called Orca 365. I'm not sure if you heard of them in Bali. We did a big cleanup and we're, we're working on recycling plant plans. But... Recycling is not the answer. And I think that's the biggest message. If I can share anything, it's kind of like we're draining a bathtub with the tap on. So right. unless we stop plastic, it's it's not going to do anything. But you just can't let it get to you. It was interesting. I was just with Celine Cousteau and Jordan um, making the documentary. And I was interviewing her. We were hosting together. And she said something about me. And, you know, you don't often get things about yourself that you're like, oh, wow, oh, gosh, I never thought of that. And she said, it's really fun being in this old historic site with Allison because she brings a new life to it and a sense of fun and saving the world doesn't have to be dismal. It can be really fun. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah, let's have fun. Why not? It's interesting to see a Cousteau out of water we were cracking up we were like we're two <laughs> she ocean doing? activists she's not supposed to be out of the water of the desert. right no we kept saying we're whales out of water what are we doing here <laughs> but her um, brother is it her brother who's the director now she's got a lot of different relatives okay. that are that Philippe? are involved in is the industry she's doing incredible projects in the amazon um mm -hmm. with indigenous people and you know protecting their health and their their environment there and you know we can all <clears throat> we can all do our parts and i think that what I've noticed is that, okay, A, you know travel changes your life, fuels your soul. But travel with a purpose is just that much better. Like going to Jordan, we were with the Treadwright Foundation and knowing that they were, we were there doing good, like teaming up with Islamic women and being able to actually um, support them to have their own jobs and their own existences. Like I was just in the Maldives. I took women in full burqas surfing. They never, They didn't even know how to swim. <laughs> and they were out there like catching waves and I just, you know, I think. Are they wearing like tights like or the wetsuits? Burkas. Like, but they have to have the head covered, I know. But Full head covered. Full, but just, you can't get the burkas wet because he can't even move in those things. I don't know how they did it, but they somehow did it. It was pretty freaking <laughs> okay. wild. I said, what do you call these? And they said burkas. And I said, really? That whole thing? And they're like, yep, this is a burka. And I'm like, you're going to surf in that? And they said, heck yeah. I said, all right. I mean, it's just, I think that what needs to happen is a shift in global consciousness where we all kind of start understanding each other more, less fear, more love and just getting outside. Yeah. What, what are these like, and have you ever gotten pushback from being not only um, an American, but a, a woman, you know, some of these cultures don't really want to deal with a woman. Never. And oh, really? That's I great. never have. And you know what's so funny is people are like, "Oh boy, Allison's going to Jordan, like with her, you know, whoop doo, like here I go, I'm yeah. go in and like hang out you with fit these in. Arabic men." Hey, yeah. blonde lady. I had kids coming up to take selfies with me, yeah, and I, I thought, I've seen that. I'm like, oh, they must know my Instagram. They didn't know my that no, was just because I'm blonde, you know. Yeah. They, wow. I saw that out through 
India and Vietnam and right where they want to pinch your cheeks and feel your uh, they would give in like uh, these blonde ladies they would ask them to hold their baby and take a photo with it it's like she's not a witch you know I don't know what she's gonna do but they they want a a photo they all want a photo with the the white with the white with the white people yeah you know I think love and uh, kindness isn't is is universal language Um, tidbit of info I actually just got to go visit one of the last tribes on earth in Indonesia. We took like a, literally a boat to a plane, to a train, to a six hour canoe ride, to a hike, to a it was jungle. Like Borneo? Um, it was in Sumatra and it's the Mentawai, the Mentawai tribe people. And um, we didn't speak the same language. I mean, I speak Indonesian and they speak little snippets of Indonesian so we could almost kind of communicate. But I got to talk to the the elder, like, pretty much the last dude that's the oldest that has the wisdom and I asked the translator to say what is the secret to happiness and he looked at me he's like I'm not going to ask them that they're not going to understand it because you know that's not even in their realm I said please just try just try and so he did and and the shaman looks at me and he gets this big toothless grin and he said a few words and the guy said kindness and I was like oh I get goosebumps thinking about it because their whole thing is like, if they're kind to the river, the river will be kind to them and provide water. If they're kind to the trees, you know, they'll, they'll get their sustenance. If they're kind to each other, um, they'll survive. If they're not, they won't. I was like, oh, it's so simple. Like, that's easy. We just be kind and then we're happy. Okay. If only it were that easy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? If um, you had to pick your top, let's, let's start this way. We get it back to travel. Your top three surf spots around the world. Ooh. I understand if you don't want to the give secret. away your, surf, <laughs> your secret space. No, 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 I will. Um, so I have a, fe- a special love affair with Tavarua in Fiji. It's okay, I've never been to Fiji. A heart-shaped island um, in the middle of the South Pacific. It's amazing. It's where Cloudbreak is. You've probably seen pictures. Um, it's a candy land of waves, but Cloudbreak is the main one where you see those huge barrels um, and I have been lucky to be stuck in a few of those huge barrels and sometimes <laughs> end up on the reef. Uh, and they just, you know, there's something about surfing, which they actually, I think, have researched scientifically, tried to prove are proving that it makes you happy and makes you a better person. Um, you know, the positive ions in the water. It's right. like standing under a waterfall, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's addicting. Except Watch when out. you get thrown in your head, like it, I just did. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. gotta be careful no but it's such a symbol of life right like sometimes you get the ride of your life sometimes you yeah. get worked and you're in nature you're in nature and yeah it's peaceful even if you're not even when you're sitting on the board out there floating yeah it's peaceful but watch out it changes your life like it's addicting you can't do anything but surf and my whole <laughs> series became surf it was so funny I remember talking to these TV execs and they're like so you're a female Indiana Jones and I'm like yeah and they're like why do you have a surfboard in every one of your shots yeah. <laughs> and I'm like well well, imagine if Indiana Jones liked to surf. Yeah, I like to surf. Well, I always say that a pink surfboard and a smile can kind of open any door. I mean, imagine like rocking up in some of these cultures. They'd never seen a surfboard. They thought it was a drum or a table or a plate. Or mm-hmm. We had so much fun just connecting over that. Uh, second favorite surf break would probably be my home break in Hawaii. Um, Off the big, on the big island. Yeah, there's a couple breaks uh, right like in Kona town. So the breaks of Kona are amazing. Where else is awesome? Oh, I was just in this place in the Maldives. Um, We were scouting uncharted waves, so I couldn't even tell you the name. But in the northern Maldives is just 
man, you know when you see those pictures of like those tiny, I call them like Bugs Bunny Islands, where they're tiny little islands with like the one palm tree, the right. super white sand, the blue, blue water, and then this break and this surf coming out of nowhere. Just It was it was like where I was for Naked and Afraid, but in the other part of the country. And oh man, it's just so magical and the water's so warm and the reefs and the fish. and It's, yeah, it's something out of a dream for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Okay, let's do Hawaii travel tips mm. for people who go a lot of people go to the same places all the time where do you think is underrepresented in hawaii that people should need should really check out my house uh, the, um, i will show it don't tell people that they'll show up no it actually we have a, we have the only um the only oceanfront retreat center in hawaii oh and uh, my parents and i built it by hand over my lifetime and it's um almost 100 percent sustainable everyone and their mom wants to use it for like the Tarzan shoot, the Swiss Family Robinson shoot, because oh. it literally looks like Robinson Crusoe. It's it's. Um, you rent it out. I, yeah, we have groups come from all over the world to kind of experience uh, living in nature. Everyone from you know yoga groups to movie stars to that sounds great. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It's not luxury, but it's not camping. It's like somewhere. It's kind of like if you go to Bali and you you stay in a bungalow and yeah. it's beautiful with the wow the the flowers and the papayas you can pick and eat every day. How many people can it hold? About 20 if we really packed them in. Um, But, you know, depending on like if you're a couple, there can be two people in a room or if you're a single. um, And that website would be? It's, well, my parents' business is yogaadventure.com. So they lead yoga adventures all over the world. And um, our retreat center is called Halekai. H-A-L-E. It means ocean house. Okay. It's on my website if you look under right. Hawaii Trip. Um, you and people can't can get it. links to all this at uh, Travel Tales Podcast along with um, Allison's story and everything. So, anyway, getting that's back where there. That's what we're going to p- report from next time. Okay. Yeah. Coke, no. Coconut Wi Fi. I would, I, yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So, you're, you're, okay. So, Hawaii, you recommend other than your family's place, where do you <laughs> think um, they should go? Well, the reason I recommend my family's place, like I do, and this again isn't to plug it. I just it's it's the way I can kind of wrap my head around explaining Hawaii. Like I do a yearly trip there where I take people to kind of where no one goes in a sense. Some places people go, but give you a real local experience. Um, so it's kind of difficult to just be like, oh, just go to this spot because if you're not with a local, you're not taken there. I don't even know how I'd describe it. Like, turn left <laughs> at the papaya tree, go down 40 feet, make a right at the coconut, and then you'll see a lava rock. Do you um, even bother visiting the other islands, or do you just stay to your own? You know, I haven't actually adventured through the other islands much. I was lucky um, to just get um, um, the ability to host the first statewide a Hawaii beach cleanup and it was by Red Bull Media House ironically um, <laughs> but they were awesome they really want to support and they actually don't use plastic which is great um, so I got to host it with Kai Lenny who's the pro surfer over there and he hydrofoiled on his surfboard between all the islands blew my mind wow no paddle nothing and um, I hosted like on the sailboat you know aside him and that kind of blew my mind because you kind of get island faithful so we'd go into these places like Molokai which is unbelievable it's like stepping back in time into real Moana. Like I thought that I was in the Disney movie, you know, <laughs> with these women coming out and traditional and, you know, the big, beautiful golden like cliffs and rocks that are covered in, I'm sorry, not golden, but like black lava rocks covered in like either golden foliage or greenery. Or, it's just a trip. It's really beautiful. So I don't get out 
enough to the other islands. But the Big Island is really unique. Um, we have the highest mountain in the world. If you measure measure from, from sea the level, bottom of the ocean, the bottom floor. of the ocean, uh, Mauna Kea, and there's actually snow there pretty much every year. So technically, I guess you could snowboard and surf in one day. It's not like we have lifts or it's right, not a right. ski area. You kind of have to just you know pee. it's fun it's like a thing we do every day here where you go climb up and and ski down um and then you have i think almost all the ecosystems in the world you know you'll be driving and be like well i'm on the moon oh, now i'm in ireland um we have the southernmost tip of, of america you, you can go and jump off south point a lot of people who like cliff jumping enjoy that uh ypo valley is magical it kind of looks like something out of jurassic park if you get a chance you there's a lookout or you can hike down if you want to be more adventuresome. Um, our beach is one of the last real like Hawaiian fishing villages, and it's frequented by spinner dolphin and <laughs> Nemo. Nemo comes to no, Nemo's not there, but I haven't found Nemo yet. Uh, but you know, it's just beautiful. It's like it's real. We have a black sand beach and the tall palm trees. And Hawaii, you know, my parents and I, we always joke that it's like not third world, it's not first world, it's like two and a half world because it allows you to be in the U.S. And close and, you know, cheaper plane ticket, but in just such another magical world. Um, so, yeah, if people want to come join the trips, that would be amazing. I'll show you the real Hawaii. <laughs> How old were you when you moved there? You know, I was actually born on the floor of a log cabin in a snowstorm in Colorado um, in the mountains above Boulder. And right after I was born, my parents got an assignment for Mountain Bike Magazine because they were photojournalists uh, to go to the Big Island and take some of the first mountain bikes. And they the first prototype burly cart, you know, those little burly carts where they pull kids in it? Yeah, yeah. Behind a bike uh, for me to test out. And so I um, sang and cried my way for three months around the Big Island in the back as a baby. Um, and they came across this property, the oceanfront property that had never been sold in the history of Hawaii. And it, it had Queen Lilio Kalani on the deed. So to be able to clear a deed and buy a piece of property in Hawaii, it was, ins- I mean, it's really difficult to so do. You went there like as a young mm-hmm. person. So how have you been, I've heard mixed things from people who've grown up there as a, uh, Howley white person, uh, how were you treated a, by buying this? unique property yeah and b just as a kid and you know an outsider you know my dad always jokes that the people that used to break our rock walls now build them and bring us fish it's definitely an integration period um i don't blame them they were they were it was brutal what happened i mean their queen was stoned to death in the middle of the street and they were um, there was a, a heist, you know, that happened. And so they hold on to that. It's similar to the Native American, um, you know, experience um, in in the world. And so I, I tread lightly on it in the sense that, you know, I actually didn't know I was white growing up because I just, you know, hey, I, you just grow up. And I went to hula class and I was with all the little local girls and I was that white chick with the blonde hair that shook her booty just as good as, you know, the Tahitian dancer next to me. And I- Go on. Yeah. <laughs> She's doing it right now. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, there's those on there. Those videos on there as well. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the coconut shell bra. No, you just, you you grow up not really knowing or understanding it. And then by the time I was old enough, um, we had been really accepted into the community. I mean, my dad has helped provide solar power. He ran the water line literally on his own, using his own back and power and strength to supply water to the community. I mean, he is, you know, revered there now as um, 
uh, you know, the chief of the chief of Ho'okena. Um, and that's pretty <laughs> special, but it's real. Um, I think that when people go to Hawaii and they just stay in a hotel and aloha, and yeah. they don't see what's really happening out there. And I encourage everyone to go and really try to support um, a Hawaiian event or community and, and dive into the culture and respect it and learn from them and really listen because it's a disappearing culture and there's so much we can learn and share and it's not just, you know, the um, resort aloha. There's, there's a deep sense of it and, and I wouldn't be afraid of it. I would just kind of dive in. Is there still the heavy um, Japanese investment as well? I think on Oahu, maybe more. I'm not on the big Island. Not as much. Um, I don't see you know, you are, I mean, you always hear about Pearl Harbor. I think it's a beautiful place to go visit. Well, not beautiful. Right. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's, there's an amazing site you can go. Well, yeah, and, no, and I, I just know that the, um, like in the eighties, they, they were, they really, uh, there's a Japanese love the Hawaii. ABC stores. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> mean, they, all their right. Coconut. I mean, they would go door to door in, in, in Honolulu and offering cash for people's houses and, there and is stuff a like cruise that. boat that comes in. You should, uh, you should hop on that. I one. did meet a boat in, um, I got off one just this spring. We took it from Vancouver to, uh, okay. I got off in Kauai. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's one that comes No, I stopped in. in Kauai and then went to Honolulu and I got off in Honolulu and flew back. But it was going around, yeah. They don't stop in Molokai. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, they do go to the big island, I think. They, yeah, there's one that definitely comes in. Um, no, that, I mean, we live so remote. And that so has remote. an effect as well you know it's good for local businesses i don't think it's great for the ocean and the reef and you know yeah. i mean there's kind of the type of thing where you have it's to a double-edged sword yeah there's so many double-edged swords i mean i have to fly on airplanes to get to places to help out with environmental projects i mean yeah, people i once heard this comment and i just was like oh like the best thing to do as an environmentalist is kill yourself and i was like oh that's horrible and so you know i mean but that's kind of like the joke of it all is that you just can't be perfect I know. I, I struggle with this. I was just reading an article about impact on you know greenhouse and carbon footprint and stuff. And cruises are one of the worst uh, violators of it in terms of like just the fuel it burns yeah. and, and uh, water pollution or whatever, discharge or things like that. And uh, flying, you know, yeah. flying is, is terrible. No, and I don't. Um, yeah. It, but there are, it doesn't mean we can't. There are things, it's impossible to live a completely carbon-free life, but there are things you can do. You, you do your part where you can do it. Um, of course, we could all stop eating beef that would, and all meat. Yeah. That's a big step. It's a big step. Um, Meatless Mondays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the less meat, is, is specifically beef and pork, which pollute a lot, uh, that leaves a big thing and a big uh, carbon footprint. Um, kids, you know, by me not, somebody told me that by me not having children, huh. that pretty much did. Oh, so you're the more, world saver we've yeah. been looking so for. So you're welcome, oh, Earth. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. You're I didn't bring my neuroses into the world. Finally, we found Yeah, someone. I have not put one diaper in a uh, landfill. That's awesome. Ever. But I mean, you use, you know, Kids require a lot. They require more food. They more, I mean, the amount of resources you use just to bring up one kid, just in terms of like energy, water, uh, food, and, and you need a bigger house. You need a bigger car. You need bigger things. Yeah. Or in my parents' case, you need like a teepee. Yeah. Or, oh my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> you need Mom, a backpack. We, and, we have a home. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just perfect. like, you just can't. It's really hard. We, we do what we can, but uh, 
that's something I always struggle with. As much as I like to travel, I always think it was like, well, I try to be choosier with my trips, you know what I mean? And driving especially. Yeah, it's the excess, I think, that we can cut back on. Yeah. It's, it's, that's what, like, Naked and Afraid taught me. It's like, if I can live out there for a month and not die with absolutely nothing, then how can I rein it back to, you know, maybe if I go to Starbucks, which I don't really do. But yeah, if, me I'm just trying to give an example for someone out there. But I live there, small as well. I mean, bring you your own cup, you know? You don't have to... That's one of the things they do when they look at Americans. And they just go, it's not that we don't, we don't hate you for your freedoms. This yeah. is what I find. We hate you, what you for what you do with them. Yeah. It's, it's like, why are two people living mm-hmm. in a 6,000 square foot house? You know, it's just like, how much is enough? That's, right. that's, the, that's what I get from most of them. And, and it's understandable. It's like, we're hated because 5% of the people, we make a 5% of the world population and use 25% of the resources. Mm. That's basically the pushback I get. It's like, we, we, we actually admire that you have so much, but why do you think you need so much? So much. Well, why, do, why does one family have four cars? But see... That kind of thing. You know, it, it's... But it goes so much deeper to this whole... Diff, it goes so much deeper to this whole shift in global consciousness. Like, for example, some people with four cars are very happy, right? Some people with four cars are not very happy, and then they buy another car because that's going to make them happy, and then it doesn't. And so it's like, how can we... For the people who are buying things to fill voids of happiness, that's where I think the shift in global consciousness needs to be, whereas the stuff isn't going to make you happy. And I think that that's where a lot of comes right. from. Do you know what I mean? So if we can just shift in general of what does make us happy, because I think that's what everybody's seeking in consumerism. Life, right? Like, well, yeah, well, that's what, don't you wake up in the morning being like, I want to be happy. I don't think anybody wakes up like, well, I want to have a sucky day. Right. You know? So if you want to be happy, if the things aren't making you happy, reel it in. If they are making you happy, have at it. I mean, who am I to say? It's not my life. It's just why I... What if plastic makes me happy? (laughs) Now you're in a conundrum. Well, no, I think what I would say to to that, and this is what I say to people who are like, well, why is my bottle going to matter? What? Literally, just honestly, go watch my film. Go watch what the new, the the most recent, you know, my most recent blog post or the Maldives Trash Island film that is on the homepage of my website. And this isn't a plug to watch my media at all. It's a reality check of like what's happening out there. And when you meet Rajesh, who lives on Trash Island and almost died from the fumes of these burning plastics, it's way more home hitting than just waking up and being like, why does it matter? You know, and it does that because that's where it ends up. And these are the people it's killing. So that's what I've tried to bring is the humanness to it. So when you say trash island, just say what you're talking about and where this is and and why, when did it get that name? And what is its real name? It's called Telefushi and it's in the Maldives and there's many different. Okay. So let me just bust some myths here for a moment. So there's a lot of the media usually about, the great Pacific garbage patch. And there's this floating Island, the size of Texas. It's not a floating Island. There's think of plastic pollution as smog. Okay. So out there in the ocean, in these different gyres, meaning where the currents bring everything from the top of the ocean to the bottom of the ocean is filled with plastic particles that have broken down. So there's a high concentration of plastic, which is then getting eaten by the fish and then getting eaten by us, which is a whole nother issue because now they're finding tons of plastic in fish and in humans. Scary, scary, scary. Um, but it's not a floating island, which is, it should be even scarier because that means we can't clean it up. 
there's no way unless you took out the entire ocean and all the foliage and marine life mm. and uh, you would kill everything just trying to clean it up which is why all these billions are being poured into trying to do that and it's not a solution trash island on the other hand my trash island they call it there's there's many now growing is the famous one in the maldives that everything that comes into their gyre or that they use in that island is dumped on trash island so it's like a man-made I don't want to say a landfill. It is a landfill, but it's where all the plastic is put um, to just sit there. And the scary part is that the Maldives is sinking from climate change, which they're totally proving. And then all that plastic is going to go in the water because it's the lowest lying country on Earth. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you're going to get me depressed now. <laughs> I know. Well, I, want, I want to bring it back. Bring it back. Give me, um, okay. Let's get back to your Indiana Jones stuff. <laughs> we're already at an hour, so we, we're gonna we're gonna blast through this. But give me your, if you had to look back and say your top three to five experiences around the world, some of your favorite ones. What are the ones that immediately come to mind? Kissing a snake was pretty insane. So this one time, what was his name? <laughs> Hello, yeah, right? see what I did. There. Um, no, people love this story. They'd always it's fascinating. Um, I was well. See, what blows my mind is that the way we think or I think isn't the same way you think isn't the same way another person, another culture was brought up to think. And so, a dentist to them might be a totally foreign thing. Whereas if I go to a doctor in India, I'd be like, "What the? What are you gonna do to me? Like, what chant are you doing?" Um, I was in Morocco on this safari uh, along. The coast, and I started in, in Essawaria. Uh, I did go through there. Okay. All the pink. I've never been. So. But I was in Marrakesh um, on the way there, and this man approached me, and he would look like Aladdin. He had these like robes and blue turban, and um, and you were Indiana Jones, and, and you shot I'm him. Fully Indian. No! <laughs> he brought his he brought his sword out, and you like, went boom no, like in the movie. You use your whip, right? Oh, does he have a gun? Oh, oh that's no. a famous scene. Remember that? He's oh, in the market, right? Right. right. And the guy's right. whipping, and he's exhausted. Oh yeah, and he's and like he just boom. pulls his. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. I actually met the man in Petra, not to get off subject, that worked on Indiana Jones. He was like a 16-year-old in the streets that ran up to Harrison Ford and was like, Harrison, I want to work in show business. And All right, kid. Yeah, he brought him on, and now he's been to three Academy Awards. He's wow. one of the biggest producers what in Jordan. Story. It was so cool. Um, anyway, Jordan's amazing. Check it out if you can. All right, so you're kissing a snake. Indiana Jones. So I'm in Morocco. This man is like, you know, you are in danger of having a serious surfing accident if you don't kiss a snake. And I'm like, what is he trying to get me this, to do? This, yeah, this is... Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. very, I got red flags all over uh, this guy. A little red flaggy. And he literally whips out a cobra snake. And okay. I'm like. That sounded really uh, bad. Yeah, it did. I mean, I know this all sounds very like funny, but it wasn't to him. This is real. And so long story short, in their culture, um, <laughs> they use kissing snakes as a way to prevent horrible, catastrophic things. That's It's like going to the doctor. Like this is a thing that you do to prevent a thing. Um, and our guide and, you know, uh, he's been a cultural expert on Morocco for years and years and years um, wasn't actually with me at the moment which was yeah. <laughs> probably would have been smarter later to have asked him but um, growing up around the world you start to learn when and you kind of get these like sixth sense of when something's real and not so I kissed the snake um, went on my merry way had a horrible surfing accident thought I was going to die didn't die came out the massive crack I had heard underwater um, actually was my surfboard and not my neck and me. Oh, and see, my the other day was my yours neck. Yours was you. Yeah. Um, and I got out and I was fine. And so I look back and, you know, I actually went to visit the cultural expert afterward because I was just so fascinated. I was like, what happened? And he's like, 
that's that's what they do to save lives. And he's like, but you're pretty lucky because a tourist a few weeks before got predicted the same thing and he kissed the snake and got bit and died. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, but, you know, premonitions and, and different ways of thinking can... Uh, I think he cursed you. See, I go the other way. I think... It's, maybe. Maybe. That, hmm. Maybe. No, I'm not, I'm not here to say one way or the other. I'm definitely not wooey-wooey and I take my wow. things pretty seriously. But that was a pretty crazy experience. Um, okay, give me another one. Another one? You just... These are they're so... Look, there's so many. I know. That's, that's, why, that's why I was trying to narrow it down. What, like the first ones that jump in your mind. There's so many. There's a really fun one you'll have to check out. This is one of the favoritest movies um, of mine. It's called Blue Duck Station. And I set off to the most... A surfer girl. Set off to the most landlocked farm in New Zealand. It's a conservation farm. And teamed up with this hilarious cowboy. And we went on this wild adventure to find and capture this stray sheep. Literally looked like a cat. Like the thing, when, well, I don't want to give it away. You got to watch the movie. But it <laughs> Were you was, on the horseback? Did you? No, we were walking. And we had to get, these sheep are like killer sheep. We had to get this sheep down off this mountain. Just the two of us. Um, and it ended up in some pretty sticky situations and the minister of conservation of New Zealand even end up to, came and ended up there to like <laughs> graduate. It was this whole ordeal. Um, but if you like cute cowboys and you want to go to New Zealand, it's amazing. It's right where they shot like Lord of the Rings and the beautiful volcanoes and the Oh, mist. New Zealand's gorgeous. Oh, it was mind blowing. Um, but yeah, it was a real deal, like horse riding, sheep catching, hiking around, a rodeo, Rodeo time. Ooh, this is fun. Give me one more. Oh, gosh. Um, well, what's your favorite country? Oh, you know what's really cool? This is how it all began. Talk about Indiana Jones. Um, I set off after USC film school to... I wanted to figure out a way to share culture, but also in this like mystery way. Like, how do I help preserve cultures but make it really fascinating and mysterious and like... I coach on a surf adventure down the Peruvian coastline. And I'm like, how am I going to get people to want to protect the ocean and get involved and love culture? And before I knew it, we had happened upon, we were sitting there eating lunch. I was with this crazy surf guide. His name was Octopus Pulpo. And he was literally like a Peruvian gangster, like the big, dark, beady eyes. Um, Nicest guy in the world, but definitely the one you want to be like traveling on a donkey down the coast with if anything happened. And we... We're sitting there eating, lunch, eating uh, you know, our like cliff bars at sunset. And there was a prick on my butt. And I pulled out this like beautiful white shiny shell. And his eyes got really big. And he looked at me and he's like, the food of the dead, the food of the dead. And I'm like, what food? What dead? So I leaped up and he kind of starts digging in the sand a bit. Before I know it, we've uncovered a 3,000-year-old pre-Incan surfing mummy. So... I said, how do you know? Surfing yeah, mummy. how do you know what? he's a surfer? And Octopus said, look, look. So we had, the mummy was there, you know, intact with the... with the A um, human mummy. A human mummy. Was it wrapped in Wrapped something? in like this kind of, you know, that sheer, um, like woven old Peruvian cloth. And his nose piece was gold and it was shaped in the form of a surfer. And then there was also a ceramic that was shaped in the form of a surfer. And when I say surfer... I mean more like paddleboarder, so ancient paddleboarder. So there's these things called the cabaito de totora, and they're reed boats. And so the fishermen in ancient times would make these reed boats and paddle them out, like stand-up paddle almost, and fish, and then ride the waves back in. And they say that 
historically, those were the first surfers in the world, even before the Hawaiians. And so the grave even had this like ornate carved paddle with like precious stones. And I was losing my coconuts (laughs) and I could not believe it. And to me, what that signified is the importance of the ocean and of protecting our ocean even back then. I mean, that was, it was revered. That's where their live, that's where their food source, their livelihood, everything. Um, to be buried with gold in the shape of a surfer, it's just like, it's pretty mind-blowing. So that, that I was able to share and kind of launch me into wanting to really protect our world and, and not end up, you know, I hope that we find, <laughs> I hope that in years from now, you know, we find us with, buried with like reusable coffee mugs and not, <laughs> yeah. not like plastic you know, bottles plastic bottles yeah we'll be the tribe that made change they'll be like these surfers made change um yeah pretty wild experience i have pictures of that um wow I, uh, on my site as well mummified so, i think i called it what did what happened to this mummy? did they give it to a museum or something no i got it in my pocket you want to yeah let's see it, it. Uh, oh it's in the car no i mean i've been highly educated and trained in the sense of not tampering with um, artifacts like that. I'm sure that it's very non-Indiana Jones some of the of village. You. I know, I know. Not <laughs> the to run Raider. away from a tribe holding it. It was actually scary. The um, there was like a bracelet or something there that Octopus is like, you know, no, you should have this from our culture. Like you should keep this. And I took it, and that night was like horrible. And we ended up having to do a ceremony and bring it back. And like he got in a surfing accident. It was this whole thing, and I was like, it's the curse of the mummy. This is and Greg Brady's tiki idol all over again. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Um, I do have a replica of the ceramic, which is pretty amazing to have, um, of the Caballito de Totora and. You know, I don't know exactly what happened. I tried to not be a part of it in Grave Rob. I'm sure that by now, you know, it's hard to know. There was right. hundreds, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mummies across that oh plane. Gosh. This is in Peru. Yeah, but this was the chief because he was buried at the highest point of oh, this okay. doom. Literally like That's 10 amazing. feet from the ocean. When was this? Uh, 2008 or nine. Wow. A while ago. Yeah. Wow. There's been so many... Oh, adventures upon adventures. Um, but they're all free to watch on my site. Like, if you go up to films, that's kind of what my whole goal is to mm, educate through entertainment in the sense that anyone could bring them into their classrooms or, like, I love doing school tours. Or, are you speaking at, uh, with colleges or are you doing... Both. You know, I started out to educate and inspire kids and then my following became <laughs> adults, which I was like, oh okay, well, I'm still going to be bubbly me, I suppose. And if people want to ride along, that'll be awesome. And now I think I'm definitely getting more into like the nitty gritty, like the Celine Cousteau thing we just did where we're really humanitarian, environmental, super Indiana Jones, the skulls and the things in Mexico that would probably scare, um, maybe scare little kids a lot. But that's my, I love to just see, you know, what inspired me to do this is I did a school tour in Philadelphia with my very first film. My film Rita in college about my experience in the Himalayas, um, going to school with the Sherpa children over like a 17,000 foot pass. Uh, it won like Telluride Film Festival and was nominated for an MTV Movie Award. It was like this five minute short. Went to school with the Sherpa children. Yeah. When I was like, I was dying to go to school. So I finally got the. Oh, this is when you were seven. Right. At Everest. Yeah. So were your parents shooting all this? No, they didn't want me to go to school. No, they, they were. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 uh, no, there's photos. I wish there was video, but I recreated it. 
oh. and shot it on 16 millimeter and did a whole film and uh, started doing school tours with it. And I went to Philadelphia and I was in this, you know, big assembly and this little seven-year-old girl came up afterward and she was sobbing after she saw my films. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, and she she pulled on my arm, her cute little braids, and she's like, Allison, can I, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. And she said, well, my mom's dying of cancer. And before I saw your films, I thought I had nothing to live for. But now I see there's magic in the world and there's people everywhere that'll be my friend. And I just like, oh, it gets me choked up kind of every time I think about it. And I was like, yeah, it does. What do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, a baker. And I'm cool. Well, you should buy some flour and have a bake sale. And, you know, we kept in touch and she started baking. And I realized that like changing one little kid's life is so precious that I wanted to do it on a greater scale. And so even when I did Naked and Afraid, I did a Kickstarter during all my press and raised like 10 grand to go around to schools. And uh, so they didn't have to pay me to be able to do, you know, school tours. But now with social media and everything, you know, you kind of just, you can reach thousands at the click, but I still think in, in person is just so much more. So yeah, any schools I'd love to, I love to go to them. <laughs> love to see the kidlings. Okay. So give your, um, your website so people can find you and where's the best place, your YouTube channel. And is it Allison's adventures is the best place to go immediately? <laughs> Best place or my house? No, yeah. Um, yeah. Drop by. <laughs> Just drop by. If you're ever in the Big uh, Island, I have a coconut. Um, hang out in the hammock. Um, Allison'sAdventures.com. One L A L I S O N S Adventures. Um, Instagram usually pretty much daily. Uh, Facebook pretty pretty good for sharing video and stuff uh, as well, and everything's free out there. Of course, YouTube um, is there. All the films are up there, yeah. and uh, yeah, I just or I'd love to share them at an event. So. So other than other and message than, me, be like, I heard you. Yay. Let's be friends. So because, other than, okay, other than um, other than like doing another uh, TV show, uh, where what is the goal for the site and your films, and say for the next five ten years? Well, I've actually formed a nonprofit with my family, and if people want to donate, that's amazing too. You can find it under my about page. Um, I think we have a lot of nonprofits in the world, and so my whole theory on that is like you know, there's only so much money to be given towards environmental or humanitarian elements. And so I've always kind of shied away from that. But I do know that my work is powerful. And now that I've been able to change laws and, you know, also really do good things, even in my community in Hawaii with the water and the solar. And um, I'm very confident that the money is going to good things. And so I did, we did start one to be able to um, have help with that because it's a lot of work. And it's a lot of just like blood, sweat and tears um, that go into my films. I don't, get paid to make these films I make them all on my own by literally surviving off like granola bars sleeping on couches doing whatever I need to do to make them it's not like I'm have a million dollar budget I might have like a one dollar budget and I just figure it out um so those are hugely appreciated in in donation sense and also in the sense of where I want to go with it um I believe that if you can get a big platform you can make more change. So when I say I want a TV show or, oh, I want to get more talk shows or famous or this or that, you know, whatever I kind of say about getting bigger, I don't mean it in the sense of like, oh, I just want to get famous so I can like have lots of followers. (laughs) It's more that the bigger platform you have, the bigger power you have, the more change you can make. And I've seen that firsthand with viral videos, with with content. And so um, I guess my goal if you know a, a bigger show doesn't happen, um, is just to keep growing what I have done because 
it's really fun. You know, I love to share what I do every day and people to be able to see it. And it's a powerful tool, you know, social media to be able to make change and yeah, just keep, gosh, keep adventuring. I, I, uh, where do you want to go that you haven't been? What are your dream destinations? Well, Egypt and the pyramids, of course, because you can't be Indiana Jones without it. I know. I've never been either. What? I know. Can you believe that? Gosh. It just hasn't worked out for some reason. I want to give it the proper time. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to rush through it and that kind of thing. Yeah, you got to do it when you can, when you can do it. Uh, yeah. Egypt, I think, oh man, like Tahiti. I can't believe I've never been there. You have never been. I know. Come on. That's I ridiculous. Know. You've been well, all you over. you in Hawaii. You don't go to Tahiti. Yeah, know? I guess that makes sense. Um, Not even by accident. Maybe just, you know, let's take a week. I really want to go to Africa in the sense, because I've done Morocco, but like the Africa with oh, you the haven't music been? and like the, oh, but oh, I just want to, yeah, the big, beautiful animals and all the... Yeah, I did Kenya and Tanzania a few years did ago. Did you? Yeah. Oh. I can't believe you've never been there. That's crazy. There's no oceans, so I end up I end up did. surfing, but I'm definitely getting more Well, I was in Zanzibar, that. Oh. part of Tanzania. I went diving there. No Again, way. you're talking about a little overfished. Uh, really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. A little disappointing. Oh, well, that's disappointing. Um, I've heard Madagascar is amazing. I mean, there's just oh, yeah, the Seychelles. I want to... And you haven't been to South Africa either? No, I know. Okay. Too many sharks. No, I don't know. Oh, uh, you'll be fine. I know. All the surf competitions, they always come back talking about the great whites. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, it's pretty crazy. How often are you on in LA or on the mainland? Hmm. So I was lucky to catch you here. How often am I in you anywhere? Yeah, I know. Um, Do you I'm ever see yourselves finding one place or settling target. down? What's that? I know. Um, you know... Another tidbit of advice from, I guess, a woman well-traveled since birth is if you're going to raise your kids around the world, give them a strong base. I think that um, I love what my parents did, and I don't think I'd trade it for the world, but I also think having a strong um, home base or, or grounding is really important, and I find that even more and more to kind of have a bounce pad. You mean um, in terms of like you wish you would have gone to school or... Well, or even just having like your own room to go back to with like right. your own bed and like a closet. Like I don't think Boundaries. I've never had a closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like maybe. not taking off in a Volkswagen van across the U.S. like yeah. in between adventures. Maybe just a thought. I mean, most people's dream. You know, everybody's like hashtag van life nowadays, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like so cool. And I'm like, been there, done that <laughs> when I was 12, and it smelled like tahini the whole time. Um, <laughs> smelled like tahini. I can't. Uh, that's a struggle of a question because I think every time I travel, I'm like, oh, I just want to go home. And every time I'm home, right. I'm like, where am I going to go next? I know. The same thing <laughs> happens to all of us. I'm here for a few. I was like, oh, I can't wait to just like be in my own place and relax. And then I'm here for a couple of months. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready to go. I'm stir crazy. What do I do? Yeah. 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 It's a, I think that everybody says, well, how do you travel? And like, where do you, what, what's, what's the secret? What do I do if I want to try? I think it's just like, it starts with having the desire to do that. And I think if you want to, you'll figure it out. You'll sell your third iPhone. You'll, you know, get a credit card with mileage and figure out how to work that out. So you get a ticket and like, let it unfold. I think there's so much fear of like, well, what happens when I get to the country and I don't know what to do? Like make friends, talk to people (laughs) in the grocery line. You never know who you're going to meet. I mean, literally my whole beauty and the beast film cost pretty much nothing. 
And it was all due to the fact that, like the shaman said in Indonesia, kindness. Like talking to random people um, in a smart way. I'm not out there like on the streets at midnight right, naked gotta, being like, hey. Hello. Give me a hookup. I'm naked and not yeah. afraid. Yeah, no. You might see me on the TV show. No, you gotta be. Yeah, you gotta be <laughs> smart about it. But you can. I think I hugely believe in manifestation. And when you put it out there, um, just like you said, oh, I've been to Zanzibar. Okay, so maybe you're gonna tell me, oh, I went with this great tour operator, and suddenly you're introducing me to the captain of some boat, and then you know, before I know it, he has seen my YouTube videos and really wants to sponsor, or you know, or he can't wait to. You just never know. You never know what could happen. Um, I think my biggest like lesson in manifestation came with Beauty and the Beast when I was like, how the heck am I going to get to the Canary Islands, let alone France? I mean, what? how is this possibly going to happen? And I was asked to speak at the Environmental World Forum or the Economic World Forum in France, which was like... Um, me, me and all the staunch like scientists it was hilarious um, I'm like the bubbly surfer girl yeah talking about like saving the oceans and you're your like, grass skirt aloha yeah, totally the top minds in the world um, no they love me it was pretty funny but you know so getting manifesting things like that and then getting off the plane in France and being like well how am I going to get to the Canaries and how am I even going to learn the story and then getting like a random email hey Allison we own a surf house in the Canary Islands and been following you and there's no chance you'd happen to be in France because we're about to leave from there and want to bring you with us to experience our surf house and we happen to live right where the beast was born like what like how you know just out of the blue out of manifestation of like this is a project I want to do this is my passion go I'm going to ask you my customary I'm going to ask you my customary food question Ooh, Um, chocolate no Is that your weakness? Yes. (laughs) I was going to ask you what what the first thing, when your body could handle it, after that naked and afraid and all that, what what were you just, I got to have? Chocolate. Was it Um, chocolate or was it like, I got to have a burger or something? peanut butter. Pancakes, peanut butter. Um, It was so funny because Jonathan, my partner, he drank like six Coca-Colas on our rescue boat and was puking. Yeah, it's like you're... I'm like, you dodo, what are you doing? Um, (laughs) Yeah, crazy. We, well, it was... I mean, it was kind of gnarly because we were launched into like four days of flying. So imagine going from not eating to, for a month to like four days worth of airplane meals. Uh, I kept asking the flight attendants, I'm like, can I have another one, please? And they were laughing. They're like, what is wrong with this girl? She's eating like 20 minutes. And your body can handle it? Like, I was pretty smart, sort of smart about it. Um, you know what's interesting for me after it, what I wanted, and this is kind of funny to learn about because you can't learn. I mean, how it's like a study in human what's going to happen. And it's really hard to learn about it unless you, you put people through this. And it's very rare to do it in this situation. So um, one thing I learned is that the human body is way more. Can take power. a lot. Oh, my gosh. Especially the, the, the female. I think because, you know, just childbirth, take- or we're designed to survive where the men were like hangry in 10 minutes. Um, right. We were marching around building, you know, fortresses and, and getting <laughs> getting coconuts and water. But um, uh the thing that I learned about food, which was interesting, is smells. Like, you know, your your, height, your senses are so heightened that the cameraman had trail mix in their backpacks while they were filming us. And I would smell it. And when I got home, I, no joke, slept with a bag of trail mix underneath my pillow <laughs> for two weeks. And I would, like, hug it in the middle. And just the fact I didn't eat it, but it was just it being there was comforting to know that I had food. Well, sometimes I'd eat it. Um, <laughs> and that I'd have food and that, you know, I'd, I'd be able to survive because 
it was really scary not having food. Like, yeah, it was something you just never... It's not like you're fasting and the fridge is there and if you really needed to, you could go and right. have an well, apple. Water's an even bigger issue. I mean, well, I, yeah, like... I haven't talked about it much because you have to watch the episode to see what happened in terms of water. <laughs> it was like I had to teach a six-foot grown man how to not poop on my head in the middle of the night because of drinking bad water. I don't, it was like <laughs> an experience of a lifetime. Um, yeah, I think our episode was like the most watched episode in the history of Discovery at that point or something crazy right. because he just, he really, I mean, hey, they cast good. Uh, you think you could live with somebody again after that? Not, not him, <laughs> bless his soul. Um, well, it was like Hunger Games because yeah, you go from yeah. surviving in the wild to being on these like talk shows with the fake eyelashes and like, how was it? And you're like, uh, yeah. the capital is wonderful. It's funny, you don't look the same as you did on the show. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. <laughs> Life-changing, but I definitely... They asked me to do the Shark Week one, like, last month, and I was like, "Uh uh-uh. No, no. I'm done with starvation porn for a bit. I can't... Yeah, I never got into it. No, it's a a lot. No, but they were fantastic. It was very professional, and the cameramen were awesome, and my producer was amazing, and fascinating, right? Who would have thunk a show? (laughs) A show would be like that, but, yeah, food... Trail mix, pancakes. Everybody wanted to feed me when I got back. I was like, more, more. Just keep feeding me. What's one thing I have to eat in um, Hawaii before? I, I know the fruit is amazing. Poi I tried. Don't try to sell me on the poi. I don't like poi. Ooh, I'm, I'm just going to lay it lay it right no, out there. couldn't get into it. I mean, God, our cooking is just... I think that's what's so special about our house is like we literally cook everything from like the farms and the land and... Um, the combination I think is what's amazing. Like when my mom makes like mango, you know, salsa or chutney or, um, you know, the ahi fish. Um, I don't usually eat fish, but in a Hawaiian fishing village sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's pretty amazing when you, you have like mac nut crusted ahi. Um, after all the plastic research and dissecting and stuff I've done and been around scientists, it's a little scary when you like march into a sushi bar in Burbank and you're like, I don't know where this has come from. You know, right. I, I don't. Um, I don't know why I chose Burbank. That just kind of popped into my head just now. <laughs> Burbank's but, uh, a funny word. Uh, you know, Johnny Carson just, used to <laughs> use it all the time. Beautiful downtown Burbank. Burbank. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, you just kind of, I don't know, meat in general is sometimes a little yeah a spooky when traveling. Or it can be good. You can be in a place where it's really fresh and, and raw. And, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of theories. Everybody's like, well, what's your diet? And, you know, are you vegan? And are you this? And... I kind of eat what my body craves because yeah, you're Hawaiian. No, (laughs) I try to eat what my body craves because I think your body's really smart. Um, And if you eat a lot of shitty stuff all the time, you're going to crave shitty stuff. But if you, if you get pretty clean, um, you know, if I feel like I really need a piece of chicken, then I'm going to, if I surfed all day, I'm going to eat that piece of chicken. It's not like if, yeah, I just, I think that's, uh, especially because a lot of women, it's always like, you know, they want to be healthy and they want to be skinny and skinny is like this big thing that always floats around. And well, nobody... skinny and healthy are not the same thing. Exactly. And that's what I've tried to explain, I think, a lot in terms of like fitness is that, and people will avoid the issue. I think in podcasts or anywhere, they'll be like, well, I shouldn't like say it straight out. But being, if you don't eat, it's not good for you. Like, (laughs) no, but you know, it's, it's really, it's going to make it worse in the long run. Um, I've never, I've always just eaten a lot and everything that I want. And I, 
I don't recommend like going and gouging out 10 hamburgers a day, but no, I think but you need to. you're active and you, you be know, you got to be smart and, about it in moderation. In moderation. Know? And if you hold yourself from eating something, you're going to eat everything else in the house and then wish you would have just eaten that one thing. Right. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. And you live clean and... Yeah, Living you know, clean. Not- well, and, and this whole yoga thing. Like my mom's probably one of the best yoga teachers on the planet and yoga is a lifestyle. It's not just like bending over in booty thongs so you can... Go you on. know, go to your like, oh. you know what I mean? Do you, like, do you teach as well? I probably could. I mean, I grew up like living with Patabi Joyce, who like invented a stanga and crazy oh, sure. ashrams. I'm going to interview your parents next. I think you this should. This has got to be the, awesome. They're freaking hilarious. They're the best. Yeah, they're the ones you want to be interviewing. Do you, ever, do you ever rope them in to be camera people for you and your? Adventures? It's so funny. Well, when Duck Dynasty was a huge thing, they came to us wanting to make like. Oh the, yeah, I'm sure. The Hawaiian. The island family. Yeah, exactly. I think it was actually called that or something. The island retreat or the island. Um, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, it's just, it, they're, they're the real deal, you know? Like, they're living off the grid. A lot of people talk about these things and they're actually doing it and it's not easy. Um, and so I, a huge, you know, coconut kudos to them for for actually doing that because it's like, you know, you walk around and there's like strip yoga and like, I mean, you walk down the street in Santa Monica or Venice and, you know, the kale lattes and the yoga. And I don't put it down at all. I think it's amazing that it's become part of our culture. I just think that it's so much more of a lifestyle. Like it, yoga is kindness and yoga is living healthily and healthily, <laughs> getting out there in nature and um, not just on your mat, I think. Um, is the thing. No, I got to rebel against yoga. Come on. <laughs> That's what my mom does. I'm like, I'm the hula dancer. Give me surfing. <laughs> um, okay. Well, finally, I know we got to, we've been talking for a while, so, um, but it's been enjoyable. Thank you for so much for doing this. Just too much fun. Too much stuff you have to talk about. Too You've much, done too much. I know. God. I should. And you have so much more to go. Well, since I'm 70, I mean, you'd think. Oh, please. <laughs> You don't look a day over 65. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. That's what most people. <laughs> no, you, people you, you still get carded, I'm sure. Uh, more for my voice, I think, than for <laughs> like, hi. Somebody give this little girl a beer. My friends were cracking up because, no, I've actually never drank. I think that, well, that's a whole nother topic, but I think that's another thing too is like, I don't shun people who drink um, at all. I mean, I think it's everybody for themselves, but if you want to manifest something, my huge advice is to lay off of it for a bit because I think it clogs the pipeline to manifestation. And I, I don't know. It's just experience. It's not a judgment thing, but it's pretty crazy. Like, watch what happens if you kind of just go clean for a bit. It's fascinating. I don't know. I've never had the contrary, so I don't know. But um, from what I've watched and experienced, and <laughs> yeah, felt, uh, it's... Yeah, it's kind of something to test out. Yeah, sure. Of course. Perhaps. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, everybody has their own their own calling, but yeah, it's something to kind of Well, give me, out. if you, unless we could wrap this up in a, in a nice little bow, what do you think all these places you've been and all the travel you've done and the way you grew, you've grown up and what you've seen around the world and the people you've met, how does that, how has that changed you as a person? And how has it changed maybe how you look at your life and Western life or America or any of it? How, what effect has it had on you as a person? We're all just people. I think that's really what's been hitting home even like more and more recently, especially even going to Jordan. Like I can't tell you how many people were like, oh, be careful. 
And I'm like, why should I? I mean, obviously, if you you can walk down the street in L.A. or be on the L.A. freeway and get run over by a truck. Like, you just don't know. Anything can happen any day. And obviously, like I said, you take precautions. You don't do obviously dumb things. But I have to say that, like, the Arabic camel man that we had on our trip was probably one of the nicest, most heartfelt humans I've ever met. And when you start actually diving into these cultures, um, maybe beyond just going to a hotel or or um, sometimes even the hotels, the people are, you know, get to know the people. We're all human. We all have the same dreams, the same needs, the same hopes. Even the women I taught, you know, how to surf in burkas, they're, they all want to know the same things that I do. And they're all, we're all human. Like we all have the we all have dreams, we all have hopes, we all have desires, and I think for the crazy ones out there, there's going to be crazy ones everywhere. There's little niches of that, no matter what religion, no matter what country, and no matter what family, everybody has crazy families, and I think my biggest advice is to stop with the over there-itis, I call it. It's like when I paddle out to a surf break, I'm like, oh, it looks better over there. Or you meet someone's family and you're like, oh, I wish I had that family. Or, you know, you meet someone and you see their Instagram and you're like, oh, that life looks so much better. And I can tell you from experience, no matter who I meet, because I'm in a lot of these circles with whether it's Instagrams or, or stars or, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, everybody's got a story and everybody has their own pains and their own stuff they're going through um and compassion is important and learning other people's stories because it might make you just feel a little bit better about your own and focusing on your own existence you know like really what what were your roots i think a lot of people think their story isn't interesting so they try to do something else so they try to be something else but it's your story that's the only unique one. Like, I think you were all, we're all born with an ish. And if we don't follow that ish, we're going to live pretty miserably. But if we do, we're going to help the world. It's like you're robbing the world of your ish. So don't rob it. Go <laughs> follow it. Go ish it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Follow your ish. Follow your ish. I think well, we yeah. got the bumper sticker right It's like, there. imagine, because you've hosted shows and all. Yeah. And, you know, what if you had not have followed that? I, w- I used to see you, you know, in hotel rooms. They're like, oh, my God, it's movies. And I can learn about <laughs> movies. And, and that was, like, my highlight of my day when I'd come off the trail and being so dirty and having showered in three months and getting to see a magical world of movies with, like, an exciting host. So you don't know whose <laughs> oh, that's life nice you've changed, too, you know, being in your-ish be in your ish because you're it, you you will change the world if you follow your own passion and it doesn't happen overnight like anything you hear about like overnight sensations or overnight it's years no. and, it's work it's a lot of work but it's fun if you're doing your own passion that's great well thanks for doing this Yeehaw! i know you're busy mahalo 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 in the islands but i know the greeting and the you have to promise goodbye. me one thing though okay you're not going to let this horrific surfing accident keep you it, out of the water. See how it's hard for me to turn yeah. like this? <laughs> it's really bad. He hasn't bad. looked at me the whole interview. It's so hard. <laughs> I should have put you on the other side. Oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, well, thank you again for yes, doing this. many mahalos. I'll see you guys in the islands or around the world. Yes. Allison Teal, everybody. Yeah. Aloha. 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 <laughs> 